shards away from you, from the aquarium, from everybody. Because I can't trust anyone. I'm never going to trust anyone again. Big deal! Who cares? Get out of here, you shark lover! Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I'm Ryan from themoonisdeadworld.net and coming soon, a new website. Should be pretty fun because we're going to have our own podcast network. It's called cultsploitation.com, a little plug for it here. And we'll have the Cultsploitation Podcast Network, otherwise shortened to Cult Cast Network would be our little hashtag it's gonna be a lot of fun so ccm that's right so if anybody's interested in joining a podcast network um we are in the beginning stages of setting that up so keep that in mind but anyway that was a little plug for our new website coming soon but i'm also joined by my co-host and person who does not write for any websites martin how's it going and you know, maybe uh, that could change so. yeah it could i mean maybe we'll have a martin column on the cult exploitation website should be a lot of fun. You should. You could cover one cult movie a week or something like that. Oh, yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah. It'd be a good time. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not being sarcastic and phony. And then maybe at some point... When I was at work, actually, like, the other day, I was actually thinking of things. I'm like, what things I could... Like, that you would want to write about? Could just contribute. Oh, contribute to a website or like the podcast or... Well, the, the, this our website. Our website. Yeah. Oh, it's our website now. I'm part of Okay, you know what? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Just because you're in the podcast network doesn't make you a partner. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You're part of the sh- you're part See, of the See, this is how this is why John Tron left Game Grumps. That's right. You have a falling out and then all of a sudden yeah. you're gone. <laughs> no, but um it's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully we get some podcasts on there, have some, you know, camaraderie, brotherhood. Be a lot of good times. Uh but anyway, crossovers. Hey, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. I'm I'm open to that and looking forward to it. Channel uh, Awesome for several years made their bones off of like having fucking crossover episodes. Sure, sure, it yeah. that works. Yeah, we could do that. Uh, today we are here with. I remember last week we kind of left it on a cliffhanger where we didn't talk about what we were actually going to do for the next episode, and that's because I didn't pick it, and I actually didn't pick it until yesterday when I thought about. Oh yeah, we need a movie. So, I went so, through the list of films that I've been meaning to watch uh, that are horror-related and that are also kind of obscure or not, you know, not as well covered in the pod, podmosphere, pod, podosphere, however, whatever you want to call it. The cloud. Uh, yeah, in the cloud. And um, I settled on Mako, The Jaws of Death. And so, uh, let's say, like an episode of Lost, you leave it on a cliffhanger only for people to come back totally disappointed <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I don't know if, I, if there's a lot of people sitting out there like finally they did mako <laughs> you know what i mean someone's sitting there like well i've been waiting for it uh it, it was on the tip of their tongue i know it 
No, I mean, if that was the case, I'm sure somebody would have written in by now. Uh, I don't think anybody's really thinking of Mako at all, <laughs> uh, let alone hoping that we covered it on the show. Um, Maybe there's P- PETA people out there who would. Oh, yeah, that's be. a good point because we'll bring that up a little bit later in the show. Um, but this is a sort of a, a PETA-esque movie for for them to get, get behind and, and kind of uh, advertise their... They're um, probably one of the films they make them watch, you know, during like when you join, join up. The... Like this is this is what we're hoping you do. Uh, we're not condoning violence in any way, but we're you know take this into consideration. Yeah. Um, no, but Mako is a film that I know of simply because like the poster artwork um, is one that really copies Jaws. I mean, there's um, there's a couple different posters for it, but this is one of those Jaws. Um, in impersonators, yeah. That at least it, on the surface, like when you're looking at it as a poster, and you're kind of thinking about like a, a giant shark attack movie. Um, this is one of those, and it's pretty well known. Um, w- within the horror sphere, just because the, of its connotations with Jaws. But actually, when you get down to it, Mako Jaws of Death, it really doesn't share that many similarities to Jaws at all. I mean, I. Do you do you think that it it does from you know watching it tonight? No, not at all. I I would think that if they were going for it to be a, a a really a Jaws knockoff, they would have done a better job for one thing. You know because the formula is already there, and Mako doesn't really follow a formula like Jaws. You know what like you would consider a Jaws film would. Um, there's you know there's a shark attack and and stuff like that, but this is almost more of a slasher film in some ways. Um, it's a slasher film. It's a, it's like a supernatural sort of voodoo film. Um, and then there are sharks in it too, but the focus isn't really on sharks themselves. It's more about the character that becomes obsessed with his sharks. And, uh, I will get into it a little bit more in the episode because I don't want to front load everything in this intro because then we'll run out of things to talk about (laughs) towards the end of the episode. Uh, but the reason I wanted to cover it is because I have been very curious about it as I've seen the posters for it. I actually, I've written an article about the posters because like you said, when you saw the poster, at least the poster's cool. The artwork's pretty cool for it. It's got that vintage seventies style, like drawing artwork, um, very formulaic to the, to the, the shark films, like any like creature feature. It's very, a very formulaic approach to posters, but still looks cool. Um, one thing that they do list on the just makes me think of like all like the, like seventies posters like for films like that like Poseidon and yeah that, even, I, I mean, mean even though that's you know not about you know killer if that that's one of the a great uh, one of the other great staple genres of the seventies uh, disaster movies oh yeah um, but yeah no it just makes me think of like you know posters like that yeah I mean they're fun I I definitely think that. Um, those types of films and those posters really draw me in. That's that's pretty much why I wanted to watch Mako. Not even really because I knew that much about it, but just because I had seen the poster before and I said, well, that looks like fun. Um, your mileage may vary, <laughs> as we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. Um, but at least the poster does look cool. Uh, the one thing that it does state on the front of the poster is that this film was shot without the uh, use of any like shark equipment or cages or, uh, you know, any mechanical mechanical shark. sharks like Jaws. It's kind of a knock at Jaws, really. 
You know, in terms of it's like not uh, a knock, it's them saying they didn't have a fucking budget. Well, that's true too. <laughs> you could tell in this film that they didn't need to shoot with a mechanical shark because they basically just shot sharks in water that's, for for most of it. It's, it's literally saying, "Hey, we don't have the money to make a cool, you know, realistic looking mechanical shark and operate, it and you know, we ain't got that kind of time nor money." So we'll make do with what we have. Oh, and you know, yeah, you know. We'll throw some stock footage of sharks in there. Yeah. Uh, maybe get a guy who's foolish enough to just swim around with them. <laughs> or, or somebody that works at, like, SeaWorld. <laughs> you know. Um, shot on location in Key West, Florida. So that's a tidbit for you. Um, and it does look like Key West, Florida, I guess. <laughs> um, one uh, thing that we have to preface this, this uh, episode with is that we watched a very shitty quality version of Mako because one that I could find uh, was a like a VHS rip, a very poor VHS rip, but it, very much like what you would expect to see if I was to sit down and like put in an old VHS copy of Mako the Last Shark or the uh, the Jaws of Death. Um, that's what you Tapes would ex- already worn. Exactly, out. it's like you, you buy you you buy the VHS for this movie, and the, like it's brand new, never been opened. VH the tape and it's already ruined and destroyed and you know i felt like this was a pretty authentic experience there's a there's a <laughs> 10 minute skip you know yeah there was actually no the 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 what we watched um there was a a moment where you could tell that the vhs buffer went out the it, the whole thing went black then it skipped back like uh probably two minutes and i had to fast forward because we had just seen that but yeah, there is that whole, you know, it was that very authentic experience of like, oh shit, the VCR ate the tape, <laughs> gotta pull it out, you know, I miss, I kind of miss those days, those were fun, that was a fun time, I, I mean, I, I didn't live them that long, <laughs> considering how old I am now, but they were fun times. It, it feels like I experienced more VH than, VHS than DVD. Oh, you think so? No, I haven't, but just like looking back, no, because it's like the same, like, with all, it's all things like 90s. When you think about it, it's like... You just uh, have that nostalgia for something that actually didn't happen. No, 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 totally. I I agree. I have that all the time. Um, especially listen to 90s music. I'm like, well, yeah, no. wow, listen to that. It's like, wait, I didn't live like any of that. <laughs> I wasn't wearing oversized baseball tees in the 90s. I wasn't experiencing uh, Melrose Place right then and there. It was mostly afterwards, but still, the nostalgia lingers. No, it just makes you like, oh, like, I, like... It makes you feel like, like, man, I wish I was fifteen ninety four. Then I really get, you know, be like, yeah. Then you would, yeah, you would. Then you would feel, you know, gen- all the feels would be even more feely. Gen X, you know. Actually, somebody the other day said, like, oh, you're part of Gen X. I'm, like, I'm not millennial. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter. I don't really care. No, no, because no, we're but... on the cusp. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're, we're very much we're on in the... kind of both worlds. Yeah. Because your as... your sister's more on the millennial side, and we like. And she does things that, you know, mm-hmm. Gen Xers would be like, oh my fucking, are you, you know. Yeah. And so. But I think, w- like, we can speak now. We've got the experience of actually seeing Mako, the Jaws of Death, uh, in a very shitty way. You can and throw it in the random conversation. It's like, you know, it's like, hey, yeah. hey, have you ever seen Mako, the Jaws of Death? Well, Let me tell you about well, this lovely cinema gem from the 70s. Well, first of all, if you ever asked, posed that question to anyone, they'd be like, no. And then, but then you could ret- like you could return with, well, I've seen a VHS copy of it, you know. And then you then you look even yeah, but you could also do that for Fargo when it was available for you on Netflix. <laughs> that is true. Uh, yeah, that does bring up memories of watching Fargo. Yeah, 
I didn't realize. And again, I had it, I have a copy of it, and you're like, I just got, I saw Fargo for the first time. I had to watch it on a shitty VHS tape, but yeah, I got to watch it. I'm like, you know what's on Netflix, right? Oh, that wasn't the first time I've seen Fargo. It was the first time Sandy had seen Fargo. Oh. Yeah. But my mother-in-law. Yeah, my mother-in-law. But no, that what that is, that's very similar to this. We just pulled out the VHS tape, um, and uh, there was a... You know, that's it. I had just had a VHS tape, and um, I had to make do with it, not realizing that Martin actually had it, and then it was also on Netflix. So, But we're going to take a, a, a break, and we're going to come back, and we'll talk about the beer that we're having on the podcast this week. But first, from our sponsors. Hey! Do you like jokes? I love jokes. Do you like video games? Yeah, I love video games. Do you like geek culture? Really cool, awesome shit? Well, fuck yeah, I do. Do you like murder? What? Check out Game Over Game On. They're on podcast services around the globe. What did you say? Also, follow them on YouTube under The Go-Go Show. Said something about murder. Smash that motherfucking like button. It was definitely murder. You said murder. No, I didn't. And if you get lost... Go to GameOverGameOn.com. It keeps the demons away. The fuck are you talking about? Hope to hear from you soon. You will not. You will not hear from me soon. I'm calling the police. No, you won't. All right, guys. We're back to talk about some beer on the show. And uh, today we got a new beer for you. And one that is not even from our area. Because yet again, I kind of went on a little vacation this Mm. weekend. (laughs) Uh, Went to... uh, Must be nice to be rich. I'm not rich, but uh, we went to a friend's lake house, actually. So it was all on them. They're rich, not me. Um, And uh, we went up to Massachusetts, and I stopped at a little liquor store and beer store. Actually, they call them package stores up there. Um, Packies, because they they don't sell beer in grocery stores for the most part, because they're one of those states. And uh, I stopped there. And I grabbed Big Elm Brewing's 413 Farmhouse Ale. Now, 413 stands is their area code, 413 area code. And um, their Big Elm Brewing, I've never heard of before because it's it's local to there. It's actually based out of um, sounds like something like Sheffield, Sheffield, Massachusetts. Mm. But uh, so it sounds Vermonty. Yeah, but I mean the the cans and the packaging uh, kind of influenced me to pick this up and also because they had a farmhouse ale and or a saison and uh that was interesting to me because not very many people are making those like you know a lot of those there's not a lot around you don't see them that often so they had your regular you know ipa and stuff like that but they also had this farmhouse ale which i was really interested in trying and i also picked it up because i was going to save one for martin because i know that he's a very big fan of the saison i love saisons so uh what do you think it's very good i like it got that very traditional the distinctive flavor that distinct belgian Saison farmhouse style ale taste you got with the Belgian wheat and malt and hops they use in it. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're right on. You know, when you compare it to something like Amagang's, it's it's pretty similar. I, I would say they're very similar to that style. Yeah, no, I like it a lot. I wonder where they're getting their uh, all of their like Belgian Belgian wheat and stuff like that from. Maybe they have somebody go fly out to Brussels and. Yeah, maybe they're getting it themselves. Yeah, but. 
No, no. it's a, it's a not, really... I'm going to say, no, you are right, because not a lot of people do. Not just Saison's, but like just overall Belgian styles. I mean, we're lucky because around here, Amagang is a Belgian brewer. And they're based out of Cooperstown. Right. And they're owned by, you know, Duval, which is, you know, Belgian. So, I mean, we're, yeah. pre- we're pretty lucky to get to have that. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a... It's just interesting to me that that's a style that they're they're coming out with because it seemed like they were pretty small. Uh, they only had three three different um, beers to choose from at that shop. Um, so, well, give them props because like if like you're like if you like if they're small and say like if they okay they only did have three beers like right I don't know that but, 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 but I mean like say if they did though and say it's like they had like a lager or a pale ale and a saison, I would say good on them for like you know. We're going experimental. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the next step is a ghost. <laughs> no, that's yeah. not. That's uh, everyone does a fucking ghost. <laughs> yeah, now they do. Um, that's like that's like with um, Stump City around here. Like one of theirs is a cream ale. It's like thank you, God bless you. You know, for having one of your staple beers be a cream ale. Yeah. I would no. I, I really do. I would like saisons are a perfect. And depending on like how they kind of balance the beer out. They fit perfectly for every season. You can kind of change, change and tweak them in certain ways to make it more like you know, more of a spring beer. Yeah, more of a fall beer, more of a summer beer. I it actually, yeah, it was perfect for the days that I was at the lake house because it wasn't. I mean, it was a, it was not super hot out, but it was you know it was a comfortable weather, um, and I think that it was it was a it was great chilling on the beach with it, um, but then also. You know, back inside or by the fire, it's perfect for that too. Mm-hmm. So they're they are very you know they're a chameleon like, and that they can hit the range of seasons, and you wouldn't be out of place having it anytime. Yeah, so I'd like to see like you know a more bigger you know selection of it. Na- national like craft brewer like Sam Adams like hey like hey for our spring pack this year we're gonna. We'll put in a saison, or you know, for the fall, we'll put a. You got to be careful with that too, though, because you know, if once it becomes big like that, and other people are trying it, there's a lot of ways that can go wrong. You know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of ways that people could mess up a saison. We'll just let them try, though. That's right. true. You uh, would you would be interested in how yeah, about a magic cat uh, saison? No. <laughs> I'd rather know. have brewers try their hand at saisons and be trying, but hey, not that good, you know. <laughs> then, then like, here's a here's a purple IPA, boys and girls. We're we're going down the rainbow. We hit red and orange, and now we're going to purple. I just like your reaction. I was like, mm, yeah, not not that good. <laughs> Some a brewer's gonna get it after, and like, well, we'll sell it, but not that good. Not our best. <laughs> I like that though. Yeah, I mean, there, hey, trust me. Have you seen? You buy variety packs. You there's got to be. You know, good and well, they put some of those beers in those packs that they're probably they're as, not super happy with. As they're getting bottled, they're like, mm, "Should we really have done a half of Eisen? <laughs> I would say because, like, you know, there's always those beers that just never come back. Well, yeah, because it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, like, oh, we tried a Dunkelweiss once, you know, for a fall pack, and in the end, it was kind of... You know, that so. makes sense, too, because... It's just, again, like, think about it, like, with all, like, all these variety packs, and, like, how a couple years ago, they went from having six beers to four, and now they're going back to six. And it's not just, like, Sam Adams and Saranac, it's all of them. They used to do, like, six, and then for, like... Couple of years ago, they for a couple of years they did only four beers. They knocked out two, so it was literally like 
three of the staple beers you get every year, but then one one new one. And then each year they fucking, you know, they change it. Yeah. Like, how often when you get, like, a Sam's Winter Pack, it's like, has it been like, they brought the Scotch Ale back. Right. No, like, last year they brought the Scotch Ale back, and it was great, because Scotch Ale, like a Saison, is a beer most people don't do. True. And that they should do more often, because it's a great style. But it's like, well, that's the first time they've done a Scotch Ale in, like, seven years. Hallelujah, amen. Yeah, what I think is, I mean, I think you're right in that, in terms of, like, them doing an experimental style, because once it's... Once you've got the batch and it comes out, it's like you got to bottle it and sell it. Like, what else are you going to do with it? You're just going to throw the entire batch out? I don't Jim, think so. Jim Cook's just going to be standing at the, the, the whole, you know, just sitting there the entire time, just pouring himself a glass. Like, we got to get through this, right? We got to get through this, boys. I mean, there's a there's a difference if the batch is legitimately bad. You know what I mean? Like, if it, there's something like actually wrong with it, but if it just didn't come out the way you wanted it to, but you know, it's it's still drinkable. Then I definitely see them marketing it instead of just throwing out an entire batch. Well, I, mean, I got a feeling a with all the master brewers and stuff they have, they're not going to be making, especially in big batches, something that's like terribly wrong. They may make something that may not like people uh, appeal to people, right. but it's still, you know, I meets, mean, you'd be meets, supp- meets quality standards. Well, I guess yeah, they're not going to be like shipping anything like that. But their batches, even they can come out wrong. That's why Saranac has a bunch of like taste testers that have to like apply and lobby to be a volunteer taste tester. Um, you know, that it does happen from time to time. But I'm assuming that if some if if it does happen, somebody's on ass is on the line. Like what? What the fuck? That was like 600 beers that you just wasted because you're. You didn't filter the the malt correctly or something like that, you know? I don't know. I'm not a brewer. But I can imagine. I can imagine somebody's ass on the line if that fucks up. But the long story short, uh, Big Elms 413 Farmhouse Sale. Very good. Very tasty. If you like a Saison, this is right. I mean, this is like smack dab Saison territory. It's exactly what you think of when you think of a Saison. It's not a bad thing either. No, it's not a bad thing. No, I mean they they what I'm saying is they get the the formula absolutely correct. And that's that's great. That's what you're looking for. Uh other than that, we don't have anything new this week. Um I am drinking a truly spiked and sparkling blood orange seltzer because my wife bought a six pack. She didn't like a different seltzer that she tried previously. So who would have thought? She doesn't like this one either. So I'm finishing that up for her. But other than that, nothing new on the show. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get into the film no, itself? that's about it. Because the harpoon of drinking, we've done We've already before. done before. And uh, we've talked about Lion and Kugels. We have. And Shandies enough, so. Yeah. We'll have something new for next week, I think. So we'll find something. We're going to be more and more. Searching for the Oktoberfest. Oh, yeah. They're out and about. Slowly. Falls are coming. Yeah. No, actually, the fall is a coming because uh, I know with well, the past couple of days they've been cool. It was days. it was seventy degrees, but it felt like it was a lot colder than that, just because we were before a week before that in the nineties. So it's like, oh, it's kind of you know. I think sometimes our show borders on old men talking on a stoop because we're fu- we fucking go back to the weather all the time. It's like, well, it's been kind of chilly this week. Oh, wow. it's been fucking balls balls sticking to your thigh hot this week. We could have a we're gonna just read a podcast it. about can, can weather. We, we're gonna rename the podcast "Old Men on a Stoop." <laughs> Be perfect. Be perfect. Saloon music. <laughs> Sarsaparilla. Yeah. 
Lemon. I've been, you know, I've been drinking a lot of lemonade of late too. Mm. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Well, no, because when I get, I don't know what I'm supposed to say about <laughs> well, no, that. You're talking about like old men and yeah, weather. No, I get it's it. It's been hot. It, yeah. A lot of people in the summertime drink a nice <laughs> cold lemonade. That's true. And I'm not even that big of a lemonade fan. It's because the past couple of days I've like ate at like Subway, Moe's, or like fucking Burger King, but because I'm still not drinking soda, I've been getting like the Minute Maid light lemonade. Eat like shit, but drink drink pleasantly, I guess, right? Yeah, I don't know. it's been working. Well, that's good. That's but, good. Yeah. So, all yeah. right, let's let's uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. And we'll talk about Mako, the Jaws of Death. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Derek from The Wild Pitch. And I'd like to talk to you about something that's very important to me. My podcast, The Wild Pitch. Now, since you clearly don't have access to a skip button, listen to this. Eat as many brats as possible. And this. An in-home cat communication system that allows your feline friends to talk to you through a series (laughs) of intricate bell rings and button presses. And how about that? I imagine it would be about (laughs) as satisfying as drinking orange juice after having a burrito. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, uh, I don't know, stare into the sun and you might hear it. It'll buzz in your ears. All right, so Mako, the Jaws of Death, we're talking about this week. Um, it this is actually what a, by the way, what an unnecessary title. You don't like the uh, well, you know what? The actual film itself it leaves off Mako. It's just the Jaws of Death, and I would assume that is probably to jump on the bandwagon of Jaws. You know, it's got Jaws in the title, but I don't know. But I guess they want the Mako in there because. These are Mako sharks. Not that that even really makes a difference whatsoever. It was in the title card, Mako. No, it wasn't, though. I could have swore I saw it. I don't think so. I don't think I saw Mako in there, but... I think it was. um, Somebody check that. Not that it makes a difference, per se, that they're Mako sharks. Like, it doesn't really come up in the movie whatsoever that they're Mako sharks, but they're Mako sharks, apparently, and they eat people. The, Mako, The Draws of Death, is a hard film to talk about because it's one of those films that there's really not that much substance to it whatsoever. Like, there's nothing, you know, if if you were to sit here for, and you kind of did this, actually, for 90 minutes at a time, you, you're just kind of, like, sitting in the movie, but you're not really paying that much attention to it. No, I was not. Like, you still the can first, understand the, first, the entirety of the film by the that. The first three minutes of this film, I was totally turned off. <laughs> Well, we did watch a bad rip, but yeah, at the same time. Even still, I think even if this was a fucking 4K, you know, ultra Blu-ray rip, restored, somebody would still fuck the audio up to be unintelligible with its constant music stings and cues throughout this film. Yeah, that is an issue. Um, I don't know. I I think it is. It's probably not just an issue that's related to this VHS rip, but in general, the film score is quite crazy. It's like we Death usually, Wish say, 2 as, sto- as level say, of... Uh, and we don't usually, the first thing you talk about, film scores. Usually one of the last things we kind of bring up. Like, I don't know, what do you think of the soundtrack? Yeah. This is a problem for this film. This film has a constant banging timpani piano for every fucking scene just about. And the only time it changes, if somebody gets bitten by a shark, it turns to Echo the Dolphin, the Sega Genesis game. Like, 
like that. Yeah, it's annoying. Just a scene where two people are conversing, having a conversation in a fucking bar. You hear, hence the fucking timpani in the opening. This is what it is, and it's like it's just totally distracts and jars you. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty outlandish. Uh, soundtrack for the people sure. who made as i told you the people who made long weekend saw this movie i guarantee my well, i can tell you what we're not doing we'll, we'll have our film basically totally silent so we don't have to yeah because we don't have to have that i mean there are a lot of actually you know now that we brought up long weekend a film that we did in uh probably like 20 episodes ago um it does have mako does have some similarities to long weekend in terms of like how there's a portrayal of like nature but at the same time yeah you're right long weekend very much silent uh relies on the tension of the scene rather than the soundtrack to get its point across mako totally opposite are you watching a conversation between two people argue well here's a timpani score for you just imagine banging around just imagine jaws if they like spielberg's direction for john williams like john we're going to need you just to have big, bombastic sounds for the entire film, okay? And it's not well, only... Okay, well, uh, Steve, I don't really think in this scene that you're trying to build suspense and tension of, like, the shark stalking this woman from underwater as I'm, you know, watching the movie play. You really want that. He's like, no, do it! D- you know, do it. You just think of that, like, what, ha- what like that, if you think of Jaws, that f- whole opening, be- you know, part. How does it get its point across? How does it get its, you know, its uh, scare factor and its tension from? It's from the way it's shot, the angles they use, and the score. Yeah. It is utilized to build tension. All you had to think of was like... You know? Yeah, it's that pacing. Yeah. It's that, it's that sound effect of, like, slow... Slow, yeah. and then all of a sudden, faster, faster, and you're like, okay, that gets your heart racing, because yeah. there's an actual beat to it. Um, Mako is really just about so, totally tone deaf. slamming some drums around. Uh, there's a very inappropriate usage of bass throughout the film. Uh, it's very much a, a 70s-style porn porno music. music for a lot of it, especially in any bar scene. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, those, it's a, bar, those bar scenes turn into, de- like, Debbie Does Dallas. It's a pretty inappropriate score for sure. And there's, I mean, if we're talking tension here, there, there is none whatsoever. Um, and the film itself, I wouldn't say that it's really trying to scare. Like, it's not really making it a, a point to make sharks scary. Because like I said in the intro, sharks aren't really a focus here. It's more so the human aspect of these characters that is the real focus but still you should be at least a little bit afraid of of the sharks so it would be ideal if the film's score set in motion the same ideas that jaws is able to do um even like when i watched jaws 2 as we talked about in a previous episode when i when our uh, local theater accidentally showed jaws 2 instead of jaws um the score, which is pretty much the same, is still effective there, even though Jaws 2 may not be so effective in its plotting, because it does have that pacing, that that sense of like, okay, things are, you know, getting getting suspenseful, and then all of a sudden the pace quickens, 
And so your beat, your heartbeat quickens. You're, you're getting anxious. And that's what it does. It's, it's what it's mimicking. Um, Mako could have used some of that for sure. It, you know, it, like I said, this is not a very, you know, it's not really similar to Jaws. No, it's not at all. But it could have, it could have, uh, you know, had some of Jaws's music and been more effective. You know, if they even even if they had just done like a straight up ripoff of that soundtrack and changed some of the notes, would have been way more effective in any of those scenes where sharks are attacking. Would have been acceptable. You would expect that from this film, like <laughs> exactly. I mean, they're going to rip off the poster. You might as well rip off the sound too. Why not? Why not? Um, I guess we should talk about the plot of the film because we we went to the soundtrack first because that was that was your main concern you were like i'm gonna walk out if this fucking soundtrack maintains its bombastic notes the entire well again like i said like i said it's it's an hour and 30 minute film and i think there's only 10 minutes of scenes where there's silence yeah it it, i would say that they really don't let any they don't let anything in this film breathe at all. It's, yeah, it's and, totally... and the biggest thing that you notice is definitely during the dialogue scenes because it's just totally unnecessary. It's like, why is there a, a, like a piece of music that's blotting out what these characters are saying? And we didn't have the benefits of subtitles too. So. No, no. But it is a, it's a problem. And I don't think it's just a problem that's relegated to like we watched it as a VHS copy with bad dubbing. It's well, still well, a problem. Like I, well, like I said, even if I think they try to restore it put it on blu-ray it'd still be like you know like if arrow put this out like, look we <laughs> we did our best but the you know <laughs> there's is, just some clipping in the soundtrack i was say like we did our best but we're telling you right now there's only so much you can only polish a turd so much you know no i i agree that is a that is a problem but the plot of mako it's probably why they haven't released it that's uh, true they probably <laughs> couldn't do a good restoration the plot of Mako um, concerns a guy, Sonny, who is uh, played by Richard Jekyll, and he's pretty much obsessed with his uh, pet sharks, and he's able to control them via a talisman that he wears around his neck that he got when while he was in Vietnam. Philippines. In the Phil- actually, yeah, it is the Philippines. I don't know. I, you know what? I read a plot synopsis that said he was from Vietnam. That's wrong. He's from the Philippines. He, he was in the Philippines. Uh, but he got a talisman from the Philippines <coughs> from some sort of shaman. And now he can control sharks. He has telepathic ability to communicate with them. It's a, it's a weird premise for sure. I mean, it's, it's very out there. And I don't know that the film does a really good job of telling that, telegraphing that story to the, to the viewer. Because it's really a... Uh, sort of a PTSD-laden flashback that we get. Uh, there's that not- flashback made me think of like airplane, like when he's like talk, like when um <laughs> he's talking about like be- like you know tr- like, and that's why I developed my drinking problem. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is very much like that. It's and it's um a a a conceit that you see quite a bit in films like this, where all of a sudden it's there's like some sort of like flashback where there's a a zoom in on the character and no. his eyes are bugging out. He's like, a, fucking, oh, I've seen shit. You just know, just like, imagine, I, I hate, again, I hate to make the comparison to Jaws, because again, this film is nothing like Jaws, but just imagine if when fucking 
good old Bob Shaw is sitting there giving you his, you know, his flashback story about, you know, why he hates sharks and what he experienced, you know, when his, you know, his destroyer went down, his buddies were getting eaten by sharks in the water. They actually had a fucking flashback for it. Yeah. Wouldn't work as well, instead of, like, you know, him actually telling the story... And getting to actually see his, like, face and his emotion when he's telling that story and how, when he, you know, how, when he's talking to, you know, everyone on the boat. Is gathered around listening to this, yeah. this uh, you know, it's like, almost like a, like a pirate's tale, you know what I mean? Like, so, so, sort of like that, told like that. Um, in this scenario, though, I, it, you can't really rely on Richard Jekyll to sell the story by just telling it with his facial expressions alone because i gotta say his acting is quite subpar um everyone in this film is fucking wooden is all hell drama class level they're all actors pieces of two by fours definitely um definitely a very low budget you know decision to cast most of these people um, I, I, I don't know if that's totally Richard Jekyll's fault, but at the same time, his expressions on any sort of, when he has to act surprised or emotional at all. Do you love this? Do you, say, do you love this, this, the short shorts he's wearing throughout the entire movie? Oh yeah. So, I love the I love the short shorts. Like, I wish I had a pair. Those, those lovely, like cross country. Yeah. Running style short shorts that your balls would be, you know, flapping out of. <laughs> but I mean, I don't think it's his his fault per se, but I do think his reactions are really terrible. Um, Cause he doesn't have any reactions. They're pretty much the if funniest he, part of the film. It's just like, what are you doing? Yeah, but is, but you got to watch his eyes. Cause you can see the whites of his eyes as he's, he, he's like staring off into space because I'm, I'm, I've got to blame this on the director, William Greffe, uh, that the, the director's probably like Richard look, look scared, look, look upset. And so Richard's like just bugging his eyes out, and Rich and William's like more, more. We need more. Well, just, well not only that, just like again, like and I'll never trust anyone again. You just it's like, right. It's like wow, that was like. I think it's a it's a combination here. Nothing, yeah, that, nothing that was, is going particularly <laughs> right between the direction and this and the dialogue, the written dialogue, and the in the acting. So nothing's going. Right, and so you're seeing a lot of wrong <laughs> that's coming through with the with the actual film itself. Um, yeah, I don't think that. I think that Mako has an interesting plot, though. It's intriguing. It's it's got it's got a a different characteristic to it. Um, and one thing that's really, um, I guess I would say, probably cultish about Mako: The Jaws of Death is that it takes the side of the shark in this scenario. It it's it's not about human people being victimized by like this great beast in the in the ocean and you know they're at the whim of a giant shark like in jaws. In jaws the humans really aren't at fault. It's the shark that's come too close. It's it's a giant fucking monster and the humans have to take it out. And Mako the humans are definitely at fault here. And it doesn't... They're all bastards. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't skimp on showing us the fact that, like, these humans suck. And it takes the side of the shark in this situation. Where it's like, maybe if they didn't hunt the sharks, 
maybe if they didn't just go out and shoot shoot at them in the water like game, then the Sharks wouldn't be so pissed off and also Sonny wouldn't be so pissed off because the Sharks rarely do the attacking. It's Sonny that does the attack and then feeds them to the Sharks. So it's an interesting concept to have the Sharks as kind of a good guy in this scenario. The Sharks are kind of feasting on those people who don't really appreciate nature. And that's why we talked about Peter earlier in this episode, that they would be appreciative of Mako because it really is about respecting nature and respecting the wildlife and not, you know, crossing over into territory that's not really yours. Um, I think that's pretty much the theme of Mako and it doesn't really go any deeper than that. Um, and it also muddles that theme by giving us a protagonist that's clearly got some mental health issues. <laughs> um, I think that's that's one Hence of the, the PTSD. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's definitely PTSD there, but also it just seems like he's a very lonely and a lonely man who's living off by himself and doesn't really know how to interact with like human emotion. He doesn't have any, like you said. Well, why would you? He doesn't when have you go, anything. When you get to go to the bar and just get free drinks and and free meals. Yeah. What a lucky bastard. I wish yeah. I just showed up to like, eat up. Oh, okay. You work real hard. You need to eat. All right, yeah. Yeah. Here, here you want a beer? Yeah, sure. It's on the house. But then let's pour the most pathetic beer glass yeah, of all time. Let me, let me put uh, two fingers of beer in my drink. Yeah. Shouldn't be measuring your beer by the finger. That's just wrong. That is true. But I think that, yeah, I think Mako has a cool and interesting concept. It's muddled by poor direction and writing. And basically, it doesn't do a whole lot right in terms of like, like, it's not like you were saying, it's not that fun to watch. There's nothing about it that's so bad that it's it's good. You know, it's not, it's not, I wouldn't say that it's funny. It, it can occasionally be humorous in terms of like, oh, that was kind of stupid. So yeah. You laugh like, at it. yeah. Like, where have you been all night? Had a bad night. What, what, were you raped? Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> after she, there, we had a scene where, you know, there was an attempted rape on her. Her husband's like, what, what, were you raped? Immediately <laughs> very, jumping to the conclusion. Yeah, and, and very just, uh, you know, just flipping it. Pointed, about it. yeah. And flipping, just like, what, what? You were raped? Were you raped? I don't, I don't care. Not very concerned, but just wondering, like, why are you acting weird? You must have been raped. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very strange moment. Um, not something that I would immediately jump to when my wife came home late. <laughs> but uh, apparently that's where her husband's... And then, know- and, then, and then when he finds out that his best friends that, you know, were ganging up on her, he's like, oh, hold on now. They're my best customers. I think you need to settle down. I yeah, think you're yeah. being overdramatic. You're being a little dramatic about this. And also, would you <laughs> contemplate posing nude while swimming in my restaurant? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's a very, very concerned husband. <laughs> I'm glad, too, that all, all the locals go down to this shit show of a bar. Because, like, there's nothing about that make me go, oh, I gotta go down here. The only this, attraction this, this... at this bar that they go to is this... Guy's wife, who apparently swims for hours in a a fish tank that he's set up behind the bar. It's such a weird 
Why? Just go to a strip club. If yeah. You, if you really want to have a drink and, like, see, like, boobies and shit, go to a strip club. I mean, I can understand. Trust me, Florida has a shit ton yeah, of them. Yeah, that's right. I mean, <laughs> I can understand why Sonny wants to go because he has this weird attraction with underwater life. I almost, like, assume that he's seeing this woman as a mermaid and he's, like, kind of attracted to it and sort of a, like, I would like to fuck my sharks, but... They don't really have the anatomy for it, so I could fuck this woman and pretend like she's a shark woman. It seems like that's the concept they're getting at here. But this is a really weird bar that I don't think most people would ever frequent unless they had some good beer on tap or something. I, I And it doesn't even look like they have taps. It's mostly bottles. So they're doing it all wrong at this bar, <laughs> basically. But the hey, one thing they no, do. The nice thing about is when you go, if you go to a good bar and you get it like a beer and it comes in a bottle, they give you the frozen mug to. Oh, uh, that's true. That's true. Pour it in. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's a. The one Grant, the... I haven't had that in a long time because I haven't gotten a beer from a bar that required uh, it not being off from tap. The one other good thing about this bar is that you can puff away on your cigar. It's the 70s. It's the 70s. You can smoke, smoke anywhere. Smoke anywhere. There's no smoking or non smoking. You, you deal with that. You deal with that. Stop being a pussy. That's Fucking right. boss hogs, the manager. I realize the guy's basically boss hog and fucking Don Vito from Viva La Bam. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Just talking gerbil, gerbil, gerbil. And puffing a cigar with his like fucking giant gut hanging out. Just. All right, so what do you think of the um, shark attacks? Because this film is notable for not shooting with any cages or shark equipment. Or they're full of shit. <laughs> well, I think that they're not being completely honest with you. I'm th- I think what they mean is... You mean they to tell me like when they say movies are based on a real story that they're actually not? Well, I think what they mean in this case is that when they say they didn't shoot with the equipment, they mean... They just filmed random sharks swimming, swimming around for the most part. Uh, there, I mean, you can tell that there at some points there are stuntmen that are in there with uh, diving gear on, but it's not. I mean, I wouldn't say that there's like any risky maneuvers in this film. Like, there's nothing that's super risky about maybe being in like a confined you know, area. You know, with and, the I shark. Think, and you know, and I think about it. That shade thrown to Jaws is pretty bad because one of the tensest scenes in the film is the whole cage that, you know, in the cage and the shark, you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. In this case, there's nothing. I mean, they can say that they didn't shoot with any cages, but there's nothing here that's really like going to make the viewer think like anybody was really in danger. There's, you know, that most of the shots are actually from above, so you see sharks in water, but you don't see anybody with them. So, and there's a lot of, like, you know, Hollywood manipulation here. So I don't think that they're really being truthful with the any of the blurbs that are on the posters. With that said, I think that they're creative with their deaths, like with the shark deaths. So it, it works in some ways. Um... Is it as good as something like Jaws or or any actually pretty much any other f- film released at that time? No, but it, at least it's entertaining, I guess. I no. 
You disagree entirely. Like you didn't you didn't find this film fun at all. No, there's like the whole opening part is fucking like st- like because that's like one of the violent scenes. It's so fucking stupid. Like just randomly, like instantaneously, on a boat and three jackasses. Like ah, I gotta catch a shark with my fishing rod. Ah yeah, she's a biggin. You know, got one fucking drunk guy with his like little Fisher hat sitting there, like a the handsy, handsome hunky guy, kind of overlooking. They kind of remind then, me of like the Three Stooges. Yeah, right? you're right. And then the, a fucking sea captain, literally just sitting in his chair, like a newspaper, like ah, fucking you know, whatever. And then you see Sonny like swim up and cut the shark line free to let the shark go. And my first thought is like, because they like, where's his boat? Yeah, where did he leave his? <laughs> He he dove from I don't know miles. Yeah, well, swam you swam ten miles. No, yeah. he did, he probably didn't swim. He swam on the back of the shark because they do show him occasionally grabbing onto a fin and just holding on for dear yeah. life as the shark swims through the water. I mean, it's he, a, I'm, yeah, I'm, I agree. No, no I'm I, fine. With, I'm, I'm fine with him like doing that. I don't for the distance though. I no, yeah, and that was so that was stupid. Then like the whole fight on the boat, like. That could have been suspenseful and tense if it was the right movie. It's just campy and corny. And like the captain's like talking to him for like a good four minutes, like asking him questions. Just he just keeps prattling on, and Sonny's just sitting there, blank, staring at him. And he, within a minute, the guy doesn't realize like this guy's fucking you know weird and off. He, he's not all together. In, yeah. I mean, I you know, like, so. So everyone basically deserves to die. They all deserve, deserve to get like stabbed in the neck and thrown into the water and eaten by the shark. But even still, it's not suspenseful. There's no tension. It's not even like funny. It's just boring. It's like, uh, you don't. You don't you like. The... You don't like that Sunny Nose Krab Maga. No, I don't he, he's fucking doing fisticuffs every scene that he he's in. I mean, he fights off the rapists. And yeah, and it's great. And, and, you know, and it's great. Later in the scene, he gets restrained by the woman who was, you know, getting pinned down by the rapist. So, like, he was, like, all, like, oh, yeah, you know, fucking going Russell Crowe, beating the shit out of people. And then, like, oh, I can't do anything. I'm weak. Eh. So, it seems to me you didn't really enjoy Mako. No, not at all. You don't find any sort of... They had fucking... <laughs> Poor odd job in this movie. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And they had to make sure, which he gets not top billing, but it's pretty up there. Harold Sakata gets pretty high up there billing. He's not even in the movie that much. He's only in it like for like a couple six of minutes. minutes. Yeah, and I feel bad because they build him as Harold Odd Job Sakata, like like they ha- like to bank like. Hey, maybe people come see this right. because he was odd job. Yeah, they had to put his nickname in there. Yeah, from Goldfinger. Sad. It's sad. And you, like, you what know. a waste! Like that would be great to see. Like, like he's a wrestler. Why don't you have him throwing shit around? Like, better yeah. Why don't you have him like fucking tussling with a shark and wrestle a fucking shark? That'd be great. That would Could be, be totally stupid and idiotic, but that would at least make it like you know some kind of fun. Like, this film's not even campy. But do you see any redeeming qualities? No, to see it as a no as a uh, art artifact of its time of 
of it's you know, an art. It's yes, it's an artifact of its time, but I mean, no, I wouldn't I mean, tell. I wouldn't tell people. See, just look. Just just because Jaws spawned a exploitation genre that lasted for a couple of years, I wouldn't say the shark exploitation genre that you should go out and see those films. But this is this is a, a reversal of the shark exploitation genre. It doesn't matter that like they have a different point. The point I'm and I'm fine with the point. I think it's you. If it was a better done film, that could be a good point. Like, hey, here's Jaws posing the shark as the menace. But like, say someone who has more of a scientific and like marine biologist like inclination, and they're like, no, sharks don't actually do that kind of shit. People are scared of sharks now and want to kill them, and they do a horror movie that it's like this. Like, if it was actually done slightly in a manner that was, at the very least, mediocre, then you would get, you know, some value out of it. There's no value in this film at all. Uh, all right. All right. I can I can concede that. I, I get it's it. It's not like with, like, say, like, like, Mad Max, like, exploitation films that, like, come out following that style, like... Quite a few of them kind of, like, yeah, they're stupid, ridiculous, and bad, but, you know, that kind of fits the, yeah, what you would expect from a B-movie of a B-movie, you know. Here, it's like, you know. Why be? I mean, because, I mean, great, if you, I mean, if you think about Jaws, Jaws is a horror film, it's a thriller film, it's also an exploitation film. True. It's just a big budget exploitation film. Yeah. You know. I'd be interested in covering some of the other films that are like this. To I mean, see. it would make I would want to see them, but do I? I mean, do I? Would I ever at, like probably say like, "Hey, you should probably check if you like Jaws. You should check this film out." No, not at all. No, I agree. I agree. Like, I wouldn't recommend this to just anybody. I wouldn't say you need to see Mako if if someone said you I like shark films or I like horror films. No, and that's a it's, very niche. Yeah, there's got that's a very niche. You've got to be like, like a hardcore, like fan of shark movies, where you would say like, "Have you seen Mako?" <laughs> I don't see like me or, just going up just to like, any random or like person, Z, or just like Z-list movies. Like, yeah, like yeah. you actually enjoy shit. I, and you're, like I, you're aware it's shit, but you like like I just love how you know. Yeah, like I said, this isn't the worst like shot on video film or anything that like. SOV film that I've seen because I get quite a bit of them for review because that's kind of like a, a niche thing that's been coming out lately on certain, you know, uh, labels is that they, they come up with these really obscure shot on video films and like, well, let's, you know, let's restore them as best as possible and then put them out on Blu-ray. So I've seen quite a few. This is by far not as bad as some of the other ones that I've seen. At the same time, would I recommend it to like random people? You can't compare like a whole movie to like this is released in theaters, not at probably a wide scale, right? But it was put out, you know, in the theaters. Those videos that you're talking about, like you know, yeah, yeah, those are those really are shot on video. Shot, you know, they 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 did not get put out on uh, in any theaters at all. I don't know if this one actually was has a theatrical uh, release. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. If I had to guess, no. But I, but I don't have any information available to me about that. 
Uh, anything else you want to add about Mako before we uh, we wrap this up? Because um, I know that we don't have a, a huge amount to say. Um, I do want to comment. Obviously, when when uh, our main character Sonny's running out around in the Philippines, he's wearing a nice white long sleeve oh, shirt, beautiful, and some Beauti- khakis. Let's say beautiful white button up shirt that you would like with it rolled up. That and, does always bother and, like, me. And about, like four buttons undone, like from the top, like that does always bother me about jungle, like jungle films, like any adventure stuff, film. Yeah. It's like no one is wearing that in such a climate (laughs) like that seems like the most uncomfortable thing to ever have to wear in that sort of situation where you know you're going to be like traipsing through the jungle well it makes sense like like to do that because like the mosquitoes and stuff but but at the same time you want to have your fucking sleeves you know rolled up then and like your chest like basically maybe that was the thing maybe that was like joseph conrad heart of stone sort of written in characters as being like you wear a long sleeve white flowing shirt i don't know maybe it just seems really uncomfortable to me because when i get home from work i have to change out of my button down because it's like too uncomfortable so for me to wear a fucking long sleeve buttoned up shirt in, in the air, jungle in an air-conditioned office yeah that's like that's obscene i can just see me sweating through that basically be pointless for me to wear it just wear nothing at all but all right let's rate mako what do you give mako the jaws of death three out of ten all right i didn't even give you a scale yeah (laughs) um out of a a scale of one to ten i I got nothing there's not (laughs) there's nothing to give you there's no scale to give you from this it breaks the scale. That's right. It breaks the scale. So you just get you give it a three out of ten. Yeah, you can do like you, out of uh, ten like VW microbuses because there's like a shit ton of like oh that's van, true yeah vans poncing around. Yeah, and that is true. Yeah, micro <laughs> yeah VW microbuses. You give it a three out of ten. Yeah, you're pretty much right around where IMDb gives this film. Yeah, this is a bad movie. And it's not enjoyable. I didn't find anything enjoyable at it, about it at all. There's a few things to laugh about, and I had like a kind of a good guffaw about, like, uh, you know, like a sh- little s- slight chortle. But other than that, this was a miserable, boring film. As much as I don't want to agree with that, I will agree with it in some ways. I, I would give it a four out of ten. Uh, it's really, it's not, it's not a good film. Like I said, I've seen worse. Um, I do. I like shark movies. I like underwater movies. So, I think that probably buoys it a little bit, and that's a pun right there. It doesn't have anything to do with like underwater. I'm one of the few people when it comes to like the Bond film Thunderball. Everyone says the film's overly bloated because of the 20 minute underwater fight sequence, and I fucking love it. So it's like that's like it's so great and awesome. It has nothing to do with that. It is a bad film. It's not entertaining. The acting in it is atrocious and terrible and wooden. Though it has a unique concept, they don't do a damn thing with it. The score totally, absolutely, automatically makes this film impossible to go above a four. Because it's so bad and just thrown all about. And again, like I said, it's it's not even fun at all. It's just... It's a bad film. It does... It does... 
It deserves that 3 out of 10. You got to do a lot of things wrong in a movie to get that kind of low score. Especially, yeah, from you. Yeah, I mean, I would be interested to see what listeners think about Mako because, like I said, it's not a movie for everyone. I can appreciate it for what it does and what it was in 1976, but, you know, it's definitely not a film for everyone. So let us know what you thought of Mako. Um, you can, actually, you can catch it online because it's online. You can actually watch a better version online than what we watched. So just check it out. It's on daily motion. You can, you can catch it online. So, um, give it a watch and let us know what you think. Uh, you can write to us on Twitter at blood and black rum. You can give us an email, blood and black rum podcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. We have both a group and a page. So search for us on there. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, and any other podcast app that you can think of. So subscribe and review us. And uh, we also have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash blood and black rum podcast. You can uh, follow us on there. You can donate anything that you, you uh, possibly can spare us. Um, and you can also follow, just, you know, get get our uh, episodes and comment on them. So it's a good way to keep in touch with us. Thanks for listening. Uh, do we have an episode for next week? I don't know. I haven't picked anything. It's bad to end on a cliffhanger like this. We need to pick a film. Well, you know what we can talk about? We can talk about our upcoming Halloween uh, no, I want you want to you want to keep that a secret. Yeah. All right, we won't we're announce still, that until the still. end of August. We do have a plan though. <laughs> it's just so <laughs> like normally we're flying by the seat of our pants here. We just do it week to week, but we definitely have a plan for our Halloween uh, season. And our season is going to last from September through October, so it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> and when we do Halloween, we do Halloween big, big. Um, I don't have a film for next week. Um. We'll think of something. Do you want to do a, a horror film well, yeah, we gotta, again? Yeah. You want to get back into the swing of things? Yeah. All right. All right. So we'll do a horror film for next week. I'll announce it on the Twitter page and Facebook. So uh, check back on that. And uh, definitely check out cultsploitation.com. It's going to be coming soon. We'll have a Coltsploitation podcast network. If you're interested, if you're a podcaster, please let us know. Coltsploitation at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back next week for a new episode. Take care. See you later.